are listening to Daily Devotions with Pastor Robert Marsbach. We believe that these devotions will encourage and strengthen you. So tune in, connect, and be blessed. For any more information, please visit us online at lifechurchuk.org. Welcome to Life Devotions. Thank you for joining me today. God's will, not my own, is the title of this devotion. And I deliberated a bit because sometimes the title I come up with is too long to just make as an opening. So I have to kind of condense it. And when I think about this subject with you today, God's will, not my own will be done. That lies at the root of our salvation. And I want, to, I want you to see this because at the root of sin lies self-will. And I want you to see that as well. And that is a clear choice in this life. And it's a choice that God offers us. And that choice comes around through different circumstances in our life and through different challenges and different choices we make in life where we choose either our own will or God's will. And some people, they seem to not have an interest in knowing what God's will is. But Jesus said, anyone who longs to do the will of God will realize that what I am sharing with you, I do not share as my own ideas, but the Father who sent me. And the words I speak to you are true. This is in John chapter 7. And so Jesus said, those who long to do God's will connect with me because I come representing his will. You see, you can see the kind of heart that lives in someone by the kind of friends they feel connected to. When you have the kind of heart given to you by Jesus, which I'll show you in a minute, that longs to do the will of the Father, then you connect with people who want to live that way. And people that have made the decision not that live that way, you just don't connect. You just don't harmonize because you're going two different directions. One goes God's will, one goes self-will. Jesus, when he came into the world here in John chapter 6, verse 38 said, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will. And I find this something that draws me, something that I long for. And I've had different times in my life where self-will was still having quite a strong hold on me. But then every time I was confronted, I had this, yeah, this grace, I can call it now. If you would have asked me, what made you do that? I would have had to say then, I don't know. It's for example, when I was a young uh, teenager, or how old would I have been? Maybe 15, 14. Um, 
I was with my father and somehow, I don't know what happened. I can see it in one of my eyes, but all of a sudden my heart burst in upsetness and hurt and in pain. And I looked at my father with tears and said, you never talk with me. You never talk with me. You don't ever say anything. And my dad is looking up at me as he's sitting in this chair. He's looking up at me with his beautiful green eyes. And he says, son, what would you like to talk about? I'm here. I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you. I never talked to me. And I cried and poured it out and, and it wasn't right. It wasn't right. You see, the heart can be in the wrong place and be hurting. And I, I don't know what caused it, but I truly can't remember that. And I, I probably wouldn't have known then, but it just poured out of me, poured out of me. And all my dad just did was look at me and didn't say anything. He just loved me while I was so upset. And then I could feel oh, what I'm doing is wrong. I'm being... I'm being disrespectful to my own dad who loves me and, and I couldn't bear that pain of shame and guilt. So I ran away and I ran up to my room and I may have been younger, I don't know, maybe, no, no, probably 15 or so. And I ran up to my room and fell on my knees and this is the point I wanna make. When I felt the pain and the shame of my own heart's passion, this prayer came out of me. And I, I, it's a strange prayer. Help me, Jesus, to humble myself. Why did I pray that? I cannot tell you. But you see, at the point of my will or his will, God's will or my will, there has to be humility for you to choose his will instead of self-will. And humility is something that Christ embodies and longs to give you. He said, I did not come into this world from heaven to do my will. He says here in John chapter 5, verse 30 in the Amplified Translation, I am able to do nothing for myself independently of my own accord, but only as I'm taught by God, as I get his orders, even as I hear, I judge, I decide as I'm bidden to decide. As the voice comes to me, so I give a decision. And my judgment is righteous, just and right, because I do not seek or consult my own will. Listen now, I have no desire to do what's pleasing to myself, my own aim, my own purpose, but only the will and pleasure of the Father who sent me. That spirit of humility that Jesus brought from heaven is our salvation. From what? From self-will. We all have to be saved from the root of sin, which is self-will, going my way, doing what I want, and dishonoring God by not doing what He wants. And at these points in my life, that grace was offered me like it is offered to each and every one of us. The grace of Christ's sweet, humble heart to the Father, that submission to the Father, that surrender, that which He obtained within Himself and perfected in Himself. The Bible says He learned obedience in the things that He suffered. 
and humbled himself. It says there in, in Hebrews 5, speaking of Christ's intercession there in Gethsemane, in chapter 5, verse 7, in the days of his flesh, while he was in his body here on earth, Jesus offered up definite, special petitions for that which he not only wanted but needed, supplications with strong crying and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence towards God, his godly fear, his piety, and that he shrank from the horror of separation from the bright presence of the Father. Although he was a son, he learned active special obedience through what he suffered and his completed experience making him perfectly equipped. He became the author and source of eternal salvation to all those who give heed and obey him. You see, Jesus obtained within his own body or perfected within his own body this spirit of humility that he now offers you and me as the power by which we are saved from self. But you have to be willing to receive it. It's a choice. You may say, no, I want to do God's will. Without Christ's humility, you will not be able to. Without Christ's humility, you'll keep falling. You'll keep stumbling. For Jesus, he said in John 4, my satisfaction in life is to do, or my food, my meat, is to do the will of my Father who sent me. In other words, I can't live if I'm not in his will. I can't. I can't find peace for myself. I can't find who I am, what I'm supposed to be, except in His will. In His will, I am who He wills me to be. I do what He wills me to do. I live to please my Father. And if I take you for a moment to Isaiah chapter 14, which is quite an interesting chapter, we see the five I wills of Satan that caused him to fall from glory. You see, self-will makes us self-conscious. God's will makes us God-conscious. Satan used to be called Lucifer, light-bearer, light-bearer. And he was one of the archangels in heaven in whom God created all the musical instruments and musical melodies and symphonies. And he was the worship leader, so to speak, in heaven. And then because of the glory that he bore of God, he began to feed upon the responses of the angelical world to the point where he began to look at self instead of God as the object of his praise and of his glory and of his making. He took his eyes off of God and put his eyes on self. And it says here in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, how, how you have, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will, you see it? Five I wills. I will ascend into heaven. 
I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high, the five I wills. And then God gives five um, consequences to such a choice. He says, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you and consider you saying, is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook the kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities, who did not open the house of his prisoners? You see, there was, he was thrown down to Sheol, to hell. He was gazed upon, made a spectacle of. He was talked about, bucked and scorned. He was cast out of the grave like a carcass to be trampled upon. And the last, the fifth, he was to be alone. He was to be a, alone. He'd have nothing. You see, the consequence of self-will leads to utter despair and darkness. And while the choice is obvious in its destiny, it is not always so in its inception. The destiny of self-will and the destiny of God's will are obvious, but the inception of it is not always as obvious. So how can I be kept if it's not obvious? It's inception, the inception of the direction I take. How can I be kept from going the wrong way? You have to meditate on the Lord. You see, Jesus said in John chapter 6, when the disciples saw the glory he was enjoying in his prayer time with the Heavenly Father, they said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, pray in this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed or glorified be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. It has to be within the heart of our prayer. Father, I want you to be glorified in all that I am and say and do. I want your rule and reign in my life. I want your will, my Father, day and night to guide and instruct me in the way I should go. You see, it has to be a devotion. It has to be a dedication. It has to be a consecration. It has to be something that you're living for to do the perfect will of God. When I was a young man, I had the opportunity to marry somebody. And while that person was an, a wonderful person, it was my choice in life. And our choice in life is not always wrong. It's not always wrong when we're guided by God and instructed by Him, but sometimes it's not what God had planned. And then we go through a time in our life that we get to choose. And I, I was in such a moment. And when that choice was offered, I, I, I could not go ahead without praying. You see, when the will of God is in your heart, then you want to know, Father, what is your will? Father, let your will be done. I used to so pray out of Psalm 119, the scripture that says, help me 
to want what you want. Or as it would say in Philippians 2 verse 13, He works in you the willingness and the ability, the willingness. And I would pray these verses. I would pray them and I prayed. I said, Father, my life is not my own. I want not just your permission to do this. I want your perfect will for my life. You see, that's a a choice there. And, And I said, Lord, please help me. It's kind of like Mark chapter 10, where a rich young ruler comes to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? As he kneels down before Jesus and Jesus said, what does the law say? And he says, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, only your father and mother. And Jesus said, wow, look at you, you know the truth. Well, do this and you'll see you have eternal life. It leads to eternal life when you follow God's rules in life. And he said, I have done all of these things from my youth. And the Bible says, and Jesus loved him and said to him, there's one thing that's holding you back. There's one thing you lack. Go sell all that you have, give to the poor, and come follow me. And he became sad because he had great wealth. And Jesus said, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for rich men to enter the kingdom. And the disciples looked at Jesus thinking, oh my goodness. And they said, well, Lord, who then can be saved? He said, that's impossible with man, but possible with God. You see, Jesus looked at that young rich ruler, as he's called in the Bible, and said, if you want to be perfect, if you want to come to fullness and completion in this life, if you don't want that gnawing feeling, that insecurity, I don't know if I'm really all that I could be, should be, I I don't have that stillness, that calmness, that rest in my inner man. I still feel I'm lacking something. You see, if you want to come into fullness, it's in the perfect will of God. When I was at that choice, I knew as I prayed, God made it so clear to me that this was not His perfect will. And so I surrendered it. I said, Lord, I give this relationship to you and I trust you. I wait on you. You see, there is that kind of choice where the meekness and lowliness of Jesus brings you into that submission to the Father, that surrender to his perfect will. And then I was a pastor in the Netherlands and it came to my spirit from the Lord. It's time to get married. And the prayer that he gave me into my spirit at that moment is, Father, I only ask you for one thing. I ask you for a woman after your own heart who will do your perfect will. That's all I ask. The rest I leave to you. You know what's best for me better than I do. And when I met Virginia, not much later, and the first time I met her, I said, hi. I said, you know, can I ask you a question? She said, sure. I said, what? do you believe you're living for? What is your call in life? What's your purpose in life? She said, to do God's perfect will. And that was it. I knew that I knew she was the one and she knew that she knew I was. And you see, that attracts when it's in your heart to do the will of the Father. 
And this is what the Heavenly Father wants to work in you and me. It's what Jesus obtained as the power unto salvation in his, in his intercession. Father, not mine will, but thine will be done. And if the only way I can do your will here on earth is by suffering the loss of all things, I will gladly accept the loss of all things to have your perfect will. Your perfect will is worth more to me than ease in life, satisfaction in life, wealth in life. I gladly give up everything for your perfect will. And you could see when Jesus gave up everything for God's perfect will, God was able to entrust him with everything. And that is often the challenge in our life. Satan chose to have everything for himself. Jesus gave up everything for God. And you could see the difference in the destiny. The initiation, oh, while it was clear to God, may not have been clear to, to the devil, but it sure was clear to Jesus when he cried and prayed and said, Father, if there's any way that I do not have to suffer all this, but can be in your perfect will, please take the suffering. But if not, I want your will more than anything. I want your will more than anything. So if staying in your will means the suffering, I'll take it. I'll take it. And you see, this is where the real transformation takes place in our hearts. When we are willing to suffer everything to do the will of our Father. Jesus, and I will start closing in just a minute, said in Matthew chapter 7, please, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said something that's always, always had my attention in life. He says in verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And then he really kind of brings it home by saying, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from you, you who practice lawlessness. In other words, the life you live on a day-to-day basis does not reflect the will of my Father. The life you live on a day-to-day basis reflects only your own will. And so, dear friends, I plead with you through this devotion. Embrace the humility of our Savior. He works it in you to liberate you from one depth of His glory to another depth of His glory in you to do the will of the Father and to be liberated from needing and working your own will in life. And so let me close with you from Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, where Jesus, where the scripture says to us, let's not be conformed to this world, in verse two, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You see, on a day-to-day basis, the Holy Spirit is here to breathe into your heart and mind God's will through His Word, because His Word is His will. 
where you delight yourself in the law day and night and meditate therein and bear the fruit of its character and nature in your attitudes, in your responses, in your way of talking, in your way of living and choosing in life. And while the choices are offered to us in this life to go one direction, you know, no, that's not the will of God. So no, I can't go there. I can't go there. I can't. I know. I know not going there means I'm going to suffer, but I'd rather suffer doing the will of God than have pleasure doing my own will. Do you see what I'm saying to you? That is the power of God unto salvation working in our hearts. And it says in Romans 8 verse 26 that the Holy Spirit in you is yearning with groanings that you don't know how to express. And the Father who sees the yearning of the Spirit in you know that He is laboring in you for the Father's perfect will to be revealed in you. And that battle can be really really strong at times where the Holy Spirit is digging you deeper and working a greater depth of the will of the Father in and liberating you from self-will that causes you to have repeated challenges that the Lord doesn't want you to have to go through again. So He's working your freedom. Oh, my dear friends, the will of the Father is perfect freedom in His love in His Spirit, in His presence, in His power, with His life-giving words, guiding and enlightening our eyes and illuminating our path and making us have confidence that we're in the will of our Father. You know, for Virginia and I, when in April of 2023, we will celebrate our 40th wedding anniversary on the 13th of April, I can guarantee you that Virginia, if you'd ask her today, Virginia, how is it possible that you and Robert have stayed together so long? She'll tell you, it's the will of the Father. You see what held us together through some of the tough trials that come to any marriage is that we knew we were in God's will. And you see, God works His will into our lives. You may have a different beginning story than us in how you got together, but you come into that knowledge of the will of God for your life, and then you get this strength. You get this strength that cannot be shaken, that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what a joy to live in this every day. Amen. Have a good day.